Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Healing After Narcissistic Abuse podcast. My name is Jasmine, your host, and today I have an interesting uh, podcast episode for you all about understanding the red flags of narcissistic abuse. So I hope you enjoy and I would love to hear your feedback, so please um, get in touch um, via my social media. You can find me at A Feeling Life on Instagram and Facebook, and my website is www.afeelinglife.com. And I always love hearing from you, so please do get in touch and let me know if you found this episode helpful. Hi everyone, and my name is Jasmine, and today I want to talk to you about understanding the red flags of narcissistic abuse. So it's really important that we understand narcissistic tendencies. So you may have heard that, you know, narcissism is an inflated ego or sense of self, you know, being up yourself, but really it's so much more than that. And I really want people to understand that because it's like they have a sense of superiority, but at the same time, they are highly critical and judgmental of others. And because of this sense of entitlement, sometimes this comes off as confidence, but it actually will manifest in a much darker way. So, you know, you might see that people, you know, cut through a service, you know, station or petrol station and, um, or, you know, go through red lights at the traffic lights and things like that. And, leaving rubbish for people to pick up it's because they think that they're better than other people and they bring other people down at the same time so I want to talk more about obviously the warning signs in relationships because this is really important and for a lot of us um, you know the signs are generally fairly um, you know they start off slowly and they progressively get worse and by that point we're already so far in we are really confused because we think we love this person but at the same time you know they're really abusive and controlling and manipulative whatever you're experiencing so generally we start off with the idolization and love bombing phase I won't go too much into the cycle of emotional abuse um, in this particular video um, but it is really important to understand those key signs. So, you know, you may experience lots of gifts or compliments, a lot of, you know, talking about the future and saying you're the one and making all of these false promises. And that happens very early on. Now, for some people, the relationship may progress really quickly. And, you know, it's in that phase where you might be really conflicted to, you know, rushing to this relationship but then your logical mind will rationalize it away and, you know, you'll tell yourself, well, if it's true love, if it's my soulmate, then it doesn't matter how much time or how little time has passed because we're meant to be together. But this is a really, you know, problematic type of rationalization because it's actually our body and our mind that is signaling to us that this isn't, this isn't normal. Like a normal, healthy relationship will take its course and you will get to know the person in different experiences. So it's really important to remember not to rush into things, but if you have, then it could be a sign that the person is narcissistic. So 
then you'll start to go more into the devaluing phase, which is where you'll start to have problems with the person and, you know, their true colours will start to show and you'll start to want to show, you know, have boundaries because you don't want to be mistreated. And so this is when you might start to find the person giving you the cold shoulder, not responding to your texts or calls, um, you know, being very subtle in the way that they ignore you and then using excuses as saying they were busy or didn't have time for you. And so, again, we can really rationalise that behaviour and, you know, find reasons as to why what they're saying is true. Um, and we don't, therefore, look at the actual behaviour, which is not acceptable. You don't treat someone like that in a relationship or, you know, in any circumstance. And they may be disrespectful and not honour your time. So they might turn up to a date very late or, you know, with very little sleep. Um, you know, again, there can be indicators that they have addictions, whether it's drug or, drugs or alcohol, you know, it can be a whole host of things. And you might start to see signs that they could be lying. You know, their stories aren't matching up from what they're telling you and, you know, the timeline that they're giving you. And they seem to have two sets of rules, you know, one for themselves and one for you. And they don't add up, you know, they, they, they allow themselves to do things that, you know, they don't find acceptable for you to do. So there's a lot of incongruence and misalignment there, but that is the way that they are. And they really do lack empathy and they're not able to put themselves in other people's shoes. That's really what empathy is. And they just don't seem to see your point of view. And they have really poor boundaries with themselves, but also with other people, which means they're not going to honour or value your boundaries. And so this may mean that they regularly invade your privacy um, or they go through your belongings or they expect you to read their mind. You know, they expect you to really know what they're thinking or feeling or doing. So... They will also be really highly critical and sensitive to any sort of criticism or judgments or, you know, you just wanting to have a conversation about some problems or issues that may be coming up in the relationship. And they'll want to keep avoiding those confrontations. It doesn't matter, you know, in what shape or form that you actually try and talk to them. Um, they, they don't want a bar of it at, at all. So really their attitude is my way or the highway. You know, as I always say, a narcissist is traveling on their highway and it's only got one lane and it's going in their direction. So if you start to go in the opposite direction and go against what they want or what they believe, then you're going to come up against a lot of friction, a lot of problems. And, and it's in that, 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 you know, that dysfunction that, Again, the devaluing phase starts to go more into the discard phase, which is the third um, part of the cycle. And that's really when they break up with you unexpectedly, say that they don't think they can be with you anymore. Um, they may, you know, just leave for a period of time. But then, you know, in a lot of cases, they end up coming back and the cycle starts all over again. So some of the red flags and key indicators that I've mentioned are love bombing, rushing into intimacy, asking you a lot of questions. That's another one. They'll seem to, you know, it'll look like they really care about 
you and that they're really interested to get to know about you in, you know, in the most, you know, fine detail. But what we have to understand that a lot of the time we actually misunderstand that, right? And what they're actually doing is they're just trying to find that information and they're trying to find out about our wounds and, you know, things that have hurt us in the past, things that we struggle with, so that they know how to, you know, hit that wound, hit that nerve and upset you when they need it, you know, when they need to manipulate, when they need to control you. They will be really charming and charismatic a lot of the time as well. You know, they are very good at putting on a front for people. And it's only that, you know, after a certain period of time that, like I said, the cracks will appear and you'll start to see a very different side of that person. And you'll notice that in maybe social settings, they're acting one way. And then, you know, at home behind closed doors, they're acting a very different way. And again, this is not normal. Um, it's almost that Jekyll and Hyde kind of mentality. It's like split personality. Um, it really isn't normal. And, you know, it's the dark side. It's the, the side that you see when you're alone with that person. That, that's them really showing you who they are and the charisma and, you know, the charm that they use is really a mask to really hide that from people so that they are not found out. And, that is really, I think, the biggest part of their motivation with the way that they are and why they are so destructive because they're trying to hide their own core wounds. They're trying to hide their trauma and they do that by putting other people down. It's the only way that they feel they know how to make themselves feel better and they don't want to be exposed. They don't want to know that other people really see who they are and that can cause a lot of problems. And like I said, it makes them get to a point where it's like the behavior becomes a form of desperation. And, and that's why they're able to be so hurtful and so abusive because they will do anything for people not to find out who they truly are. You'll find that they'll lie a lot. They'll never apologize. You know, if you're having arguments, they, it will just go around in circles. You'll find it's like word salad and they, um, you know, there's no point to the, you know, initial, um, you know, issue that you may have brought up and they, yeah, it just goes around in circles and you don't actually ever find a solution for your problems. And part of that also is the fact that they will then blame you for their problems. And, you know, projection is a really big tactic that they use because, like I said, they're not able to, they're not able to, to sit with with um, criticism or judgment at all. And so it's almost like, you know, they, they, they have to throw that back out at the person who they're receiving it from. So in a healthy, well-developed individual, we're able to take on, um, you know, criticism or judgment, you know, to a certain extent, obviously, but we're able to actually at least sit with that and reflect on that and then think about, okay, well, what do I need to do differently next time? How can I better show up in the world with people? Um, but unfortunately, again, with narcissistic individuals, this isn't possible because they don't believe that there's anything wrong with them. Although, like I said, there's an element of them where I think they truly do know that they have trauma and wounding and, you know, it's just that they have, you know, come to a place where they just want to hide and run away from their problems. So, again, you know, they'll cross your boundaries 
Um, and that's because they don't have good boundary function with themselves and they don't respect themselves. And so, of course, um, if they don't respect themselves, then they're definitely not going to respect other people. So you will go blue in the face trying to tell them what your boundaries are, tell them what's acceptable and what's not. But again, a big lesson that we need to learn is that unfortunately we can continue to, you know, to say what our boundaries are, but ultimately boundaries are, are a behaviour, are an action. They're not something that we say. We might say say what our boundary is to kind of warn people or let them know, hey, you know, like give them a chance and and give them an opportunity so that next time they don't make the same choice. But, you know, it comes down to you actually enforcing the boundary and by taking action. And, you know, this is where we, we get to a crossroads because we, we start to see that actually we can't change this person. They don't see our side of the story. They're not willing to look at themselves and see that they are actually really, you know, negatively impacting the relationship. And so there's really only one option left and that's honestly to leave. And it's really, really confronting and difficult to, to deal with, right? But if you don't, you know, the long-term the long-term consequences are that you will continuously have to play their game. You'll be walking on eggshells and you'll constantly be having to regulate their emotions. And that really takes your, you know, takes a toll on your mental and emotional well-being, on your physical health, on your relationship with other people, um, you know, with your work. So it's just not a long-term sustainable solution. And so the more that you start to see the red flags and you start to see the behaviour, the more it's going to start to make sense. And then once you've got that education, you're able to make, um, you know, an educated choice on whether you decide to stay or whether you decide to leave. And, you know, everyone's got their own reasoning um, and motivations behind staying with an abusive individual. But there is really nothing acceptable about it. And... One of the big lessons I think for me was learning my personal power, really learning that I didn't have to put up with that at the most basic level, like that I needed to learn to have self-worth, to, yeah, just have, I think, a higher standard for myself as well and to really believe that I was worth more than that and you know, it got to the point where it was so painful for me that it didn't really make, you know, it didn't add any value to my life. And so I thought, well, if I remove this person, then I really don't have anything to lose because at least I'll be able to be on my own and have peace and joy and fulfillment regardless of another person. Now, taking that step, like I said, is, is a huge thing to do and it does take time. Um, and, you know, it's been a massive journey for me and something obviously that I'm still working through, but I haven't looked back. Once I fully committed and made that choice, I just, I haven't looked back. So like I had said before, you know, there can be signs of addiction, drugs, alcohol, sex, um, you know, possibly work, shopping, you know, this idea of fame and fortune and just acquiring 
status and wealth, not for any pure reason or good intention, just so that they can show the people who they think they are. And they may have really impulsive, reckless behaviour as well, um, you know, whether it's speeding or, you know, just partying all the time, just being really irresponsible and reckless because, like I said, that again comes down to their lack of self-respect and self-worth. So, you know, you'll find that there's just constant drama in your life as well. I think what's so interesting when I talk about emotional abuse is that People, you know, it is such a taboo topic, I find still. I find it can be challenging to, to bring up with people in different um, environments. And it, it's really a lot more basic than I think people realise. And, you know, have, being in a toxic, dysfunctional relationship involves drama and, you know, control and manipulation and lies. And it's just like this never-ending cycle of drama. And it's all about how you're not good enough. They really are the mirror and projecting onto you what you actually already internally believe about yourself. And we generally attract someone when we're on that same vibrational level, when we're on that same energetic frequency, when our self-worth isn't good, when our lack of self-respect isn't there. Like that is when we we attract these type of people. So it's really important that we start to look at those things, right? And we start to really understand what the red flags are and work through, okay, well, how have I contributed to attracting someone like that? Like, because we only have control over ourselves. We can only change ourselves and we can only really see this experience as something to work on within ourselves. And the more that we start to understand that, the more we actually start to take back our own power. And these type of people just have no, they're just not enticing. They just don't have, you know, the same type of, you know, excitement or, you know, just we're just not really even fascinated or interested in people like that anymore. It really does wear off because, we're starting to break that bond. We're starting to break that old patterning and limiting belief system that we've created about ourselves. And so once we learn the lesson, we find that these type of people will disappear out of our life. So the other thing that I think is really big and a, you know, a massive red flag for me anyway was feeling really emotional or really drained after spending time with a narcissistic individual. And I remember just, you know, spending time in this relationship and being with this person and then, you know, a few hours later or the next day, like going home, being really confused and then crying all the time and feeling like I was on this massive emotional roller coaster, like constantly up and down. I didn't know what was going on. Like I would leave and like have flashbacks of things that he said where I was just so stunned that I didn't actually say anything in the moment. And, you know, all of these things started to catch up on me and it just kind of snowballed so much out of control that my whole life just became a mess. And generally we find that, you know, our whole world kind of comes, you know, crashing down on us because it gets to a point where like we need to wake up. We need to wake up from what we experienced.
So as the relationship progresses, you'll find that the warning signs and the red flags, the behaviour will become more and more out of control. And if you try to raise an issue with them, it becomes, you know, a full-blown argument and, like I said, it just kind of goes round and round and there's really no resolution to the problem. And you'll find you will end up on a tangent about all sorts of problems and that's generally directed by the other person, again, projecting onto you everything that you have done to them and how you contributed to that and how it was all about you and you did that to them. And so, therefore, of course, they have no responsibility in the matter, right? That's what they say. And you might start to feel isolated from family or friends and really shut yourself off and you stop being vulnerable. You know, the more that we find that we share these experiences, you know, of what we've experienced in narcissistic abuse with other people who just don't understand or haven't been in these situations, it tends to create even more isolation and distance because it's just really difficult to explain to someone who hasn't been through it. And it's, it, it just makes you feel even more shame and guilt and, like I said, we just end up withdrawing ourselves even more. And you'll find that you're doing all the giving you're constantly giving and doing for the other person, um, but you never really seem to receive it back. And for a lot of us, it's not like we intentionally give to receive, but what we find is that we, a lot of us are actually codependents and there is this underlying idea that we do give because we want to receive and we do it from a place where it's like we expect it, but it's, generally unconscious behavior that we don't realize that we're doing and this cycle is perpetuated even more because the you know the more we give the less we receive and so rather than giving less we give more right we give more because we think well I need to give more so then maybe I will get something back maybe then this person will you know show me they love me and take care of me and do all of these things for me the way that I do that for them but again, the narcissist will continue to take everything from you and they will continue to not give you anything. And this is part of where we start to feel really depleted. So I want to talk a little bit briefly about where we go wrong because I think this is really important. Um, and this isn't a judgment or, um, you know, a criticism that you need to take on in the sense that it's all your fault. But I think it is really insightful to look at, you know, where along the lines did we not listen to ourselves? You know, listening to our gut feeling or our intuition is actually really important. And so I say all of this to help you in the future because the things that we didn't do, we can actually learn and in the future make sure that we do do them, right? So really harnessing our intuition and our, and listening to our gut in any situation is going to be really beneficial and helpful for you in the future because most likely you are going to meet another narcissist and it doesn't have to be in a relationship. It could just be a friendship or in a work situation, but it's just really important to just really create self-awareness around 
the way that you are and also the way that other people are. And just start to notice the way that you engage and interact with others and the way that other people engage and interact with you. And, you know, I think we can all recognise a point in the relationship where we didn't walk away. And that is because we didn't value ourselves more than the abuse. You know, we basically allowed ourselves, well, we made ourselves stay, right, because we thought, well, you know, again, mostly subconsciously, that we weren't good enough, who would ever want us, you know, we're damaged goods now, who would ever want to be with us anyway, so we may as well stay and put up with it, right? And we continue to make excuses for the abuser as well. Um, you know, again, for a lot of people who aren't in these type of situations, it's very hard for them to understand, but we do end up in this cycle of wanting to make excuses because, again, our brain is just so so brilliant at rationalizing and explaining away behavior, right? And this is partially also because the narcissist is very good at having excuses and giving reasons for the way that they're behaving. And we fail to recognize that that is actually part of what we need to be aware of. We need to take a step out of the relationship, basically look in on their behavior and stop focusing on the details because we get so hooked on the details. And, you know, again, there's this part of us that's not willing to let go of the relationship because of society's conditioning. Like we've been taught that if you've been in a long-term relationship or you've been married and you've got young children, that it's not acceptable to leave. And you might have family um, pressure or, you know, pressure from your friends to stay and give it another go and make it work. But the thing is, you know, and, and, by no means are they saying that with malice or, 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 you know, with bad intent, I guess, a lot of the time, but they don't understand what you're actually experiencing and you're actually trying to help yourself by leaving. And so it can be, again, really confusing to know what to do because you know what you're experiencing behind closed doors, but then other people around you are only maybe seeing the person you know, the charm, the charisma, the friendly, caring, giving person, right, that they see, you don't see that and you don't experience that at home. So we start to, you know, be really critical and judgmental of ourselves. We start to blame ourselves for the fact that they're treating us like this, you know. We can't understand why they are one way with, you know, other people and another way with us. And we ignore our emotions, you know, a lot of people want to run away from their emotions, but I think for me, my emotions is what saved me because I recognized that I wasn't this emo emotional, you know, train wreck of a person in my normal life before I'd met them, right? I think I've always been sensitive and emotional and, you know, connected to my emotions, should I say, but I was never like on this roller coaster of just being up and down, you know, and sometimes we can start to look like we have a mental illness, right? Because we're up and down all the time and people start to think, oh, there's something, you know, something wrong, like she, her behavior is really weird. And what people don't recognize and what sometimes what we don't recognize is that it's not actually because of us, it's because of what the other person is doing. And I always say our brain and our body and our emotions can only react one way when we're experiencing abuse and, you know, it's not healthy. It's not good. And 
you know, again, a lot of us don't get professional help early on enough. Um, I did, and I did have professional help for pretty much the majority of the relationship. And it was really tough to navigate. But I think a part of me having that support meant that when I was ready to leave, I'd already navigated quite a bit of emotional turmoil and, you know, had really gone down into the depths of experiencing, you know, a lot of depression and anxiety and then coming back up and resurfacing and kind of feeling like, my, you know, things had lifted off my shoulders and like I just felt a little bit lighter and like I'd, you know, processed and integrated some sort of knowledge from my experiences. And, you know, I was in and out of this relationship and, you know, quite a bit. And so it was like part of me learned something every time I was in and out. And so I always say that if you do go back and if you do break no contact, that it's okay you know, just keep trying, just keep reinforcing the boundaries and, and speak kindly to yourself. I think that is the biggest, most positive thing that you can do for yourself. And that in turn is going to give you the confidence and boost your self-esteem and, you know, help build your self-respect so that you'll get to a point where you won't go back. So I hope that's been insightful for you and it's helped you to recognize maybe things in your relationship that are not acceptable. And again, like I said, education is really key because until we start to really learn about narcissism and narcissistic personality disorder, we don't know what we're dealing with and we will come from a place of, you know, reacting rather than responding. And so we, we just we just aren't in a place to think straight and to make choices, um, you know, from a grounded, uh, educated place. So I'd love to hear from you. Let me know what you thought and, you know, what, what has been your experience and, you know, what red flags have you experienced? I'd love to, I'd love to hear and um, I can't wait to speak to you again soon. Thanks. Bye.